The three circles, I think, are going to help you kind of put your entire Christian life and before you're a Christian, put all that into a real easy-to-understand diagram. And I think, excuse me, I think this is going to this is going to help clear up a lot of questions that each of us have. And even if you're solid on all this, it's going to help clear up a lot of questions that other Christians might have that you talk to. Okay? So turn to 1 Corinthians 2, if you have a Bible. I do it on my iPod. 1 Corinthians 2. And, oh, do you guys want a Bible back there? Let me give you guys a I have a few here. There's one that's going to be broken. Okay. Sweet. First Corinthians should be in there. It's New King James, so it's kind of readable. First Corinthians 2. And when somebody gets there, somebody that really likes to speak very loud, you could help us out by reading. Anybody like to? You want to do it, Sean? Real loud. First Corinthians 2.12 through 3.3. 2.12? The late what? Chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Okay. And you're going to go through chapter 3, verse 3. There we go. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we, that we may understand what God has really given us. This is what we speak, not in words, taught Taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit. Wow, spirit taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the thing that comes from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who? has known the mind of the Lord so as, so as to instruct him. But we have, we have the mind of Christ. So now, three, Keep, yeah, three verses 1 through 3. Brothers and sisters, I cannot address to you as a spirit is spiritual but is worldly. Mary fits in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealous... Jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere, mere human beings? Sorry, my English is a little rusty. That's that is okay. These three circles aren't just a figment of somebody's imagination, but they're straight from Scripture. Now, did you see how in those in those few verses, Paul talks about three different types of people? Did you see that? The man without the Spirit of God, the spiritual man, and then the worldly Christian. Remember that? He said, you're worldly still. Okay? So we're going to look at these two circles, and this first one is the, the man without God. Okay? Now this circle represents his life, and this chair represents the throne, and man, I'm trying to... Who would like to do this? Joseph or Ashley or Aaron? You guys want to do this, or should I just go with it? Just go with it. Okay. Joseph's like, not right now. Okay. So, and now Christ is outside this life. Actually, I'm going to do it on this side. Where's that eraser? There it is. Okay. 
So what kind of things characterize that life? Just share some of those with us. Jealousy. Jealousy. Oh, wait, before we get there, what is the number one defining issue in this guy's life? Remember, it talks about it right here. You like that ringtone. I thought it was on vibrate. Okay, Terry, sorry about that. <laughs> it's the pastor of Calvary Chapel. We're praying at his church tomorrow morning. So I think he was calling to probably say something really important. <laughs> we'll figure it out later, though. So anyway... Um, okay, well, and fundamentally, when, when Jesus was talking about this in John 7, 37 through 39, he said, what about the Spirit? He said that anyone who believes in him would receive this Holy Spirit. So this person is somebody that has not yet received Christ, right? This person has not started a relationship with God. Okay. The Bible says that there is this big divider here. This side is death, spiritually. Can you guys even see that? It's hard to see, huh? Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to try and figure out a way to get rid of that. I think we could put it on this chair. I just wouldn't want to break the computer. That'd be pretty lame. Okay, so on the left, the man without God is spiritually dead. And another way to think of that, guys. Is that going to work? Can you guys see a little better? Cool. Where's this guy at with God? Where's his relationship with God? No, because he has no relationship with God. Good. No relationship. Now, this is going to make sense later, but get these two terms really solid. Relationship is your position with God. Does this make sense? You, each of you probably have parents, I'm guessing. You didn't just spontaneously form out of nothing. And those parents, they're your parents, you're their child, nothing can change that, at least biologically, right? That's your, that's your relationship with them. Okay? Now, your fellowship is something totally different. And this word fellowship we're going to use to mean, and this is actually scriptural too, if you look at First John, it talks about fellowship with God, fellowship with others. Fellowship literally means your interaction with God. Is that you guys get that? So your relationship with God is is He's your father, you're His son or His daughter. Your fellowship with God is your intimacy with Him, your time spent with Him, your communication with Him. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference? So does this guy have a relationship with God? No. Does he have fellowship with God? No. Neither one. Okay, no relationship, no fellowship. Now, those I, I just want to start out with those because those are two huge defining characteristics. Now, Joseph, what was it that you said a minute ago? Jealousy. Jealousy. Okay, jealousy. What else, guys? What else defines the man without God? Anger. Lost. Anger. Yep, lost. Along with being lost, I'd say things like guilt. Shame, confusion, all those kind of epitomize that being lost, right? This guy's kind of in the kind of lost. I like those words a lot better. I don't like the term lost, but whatever. They're all there. Okay, what else, guys? What else would define this guy, do you think? He doesn't understand. Confusion? Mm-hmm. Confusion. Doesn't understand. Yeah, no trust. Okay, we're making this guy look like Hitler. <laughs> I'm not saying that everybody without Christ is is Hitler. Okay, but these are some things that that really characterize this life. Does that make sense? And we've all probably been there at some point in our life. We all have, whether we remember that.
that or not. Now, and we could go on, right? This list keeps going on and on. Unforgiveness, lust. <laughs> it goes on and on, right? Now, I'm going to put those because those are big. <laughs> Unforgiveness. Lust. Okay. What's that? Yeah, get it all in there. Okay, now over on this side, who do you think this second circle is? Going back to 1 Corinthians. Here's the man without God, and then we have the spiritual man. Okay, how did this man without God get to be a spiritual man? What do you have, what do you have to do? He had to accept Christ or receive Christ, right? Receive Christ. He had to receive Christ and go to church every Sunday, right? No? Okay, he had to receive Christ and become a, an official member of a denomination. No. <laughs> and where, where, what would Jesus do, bracelet? Yes. So, no, seriously. That's the, that's the bracelet. So, he had to have a connect sticker on his bottle. too far away from this first guy, I want to mention something that we call the five C's, but we've actually added a sixth C, so we'll call it the six C's. Six C's. Six C's. You might want to write this down. It really defines this guy well. Okay? This is what this guy lives for. Cash, cars, career, condos, cuties, and computers. That's the sixth one. We define cuties like the oranges are girls. <laughs> well, both. Yes. Both. This guy might love tangerines. Yeah. Okay. That, that kind of is another way to think about what this person is living for. I have two of them, sorry. You got two of them today? <laughs> That's classic. So, have seen the Knowing God Personally book with Joseph? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. So this person receives Christ. What does that mean, guys? What does that mean? It means he believes that he's a sinful man and that Jesus is the only one who can save him. Mm-hmm. So he believes. Anybody know any scripture that would talk about this this transition at all? Yeah, John. It's pretty basic, but it so John three sixteen, right? He's he's putting his trust in God. He's believing in God. And the most important thing, not only receiving Christ, is pursuing a relationship with Christ. You know, sir, like after you've received Christ, mm-hmm. yeah, one thing is just to receive Him, but to be a spiritual man, not only do you need to receive Christ, you need to follow up on it, and you need to pursue Him. You know? Yeah, you're. You're on it. You're just further ahead of where oh, we're at. <laughs> no. When you first receive Christ, though, tell me if this is true or not. Weren't you there? I mean, that when you finally decided, I am a sinner and I need His forgiveness, and you tr- you put your trust in Him, and then you, He says in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock the open, and I'll come in. Right? John 1.12 says to all those who received Him, He gave the right to become children of God. So we receive Him, we open the door, we let Him come in. Romans 10.9 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Remember that? So if we do those things, we, we get
to this point of we've put our trust in him by faith for our salvation, how many of you, the second you made that decision, thought, man, this is the lowest point of my life right now? How many of you thought that? No. Well, I mean, leading up to that, right? Yeah. yeah. But then after you put your trust in Christ, did you just go, oh, wish I wouldn't have done that. That was lame. I guess I misunderstood. Okay, yeah, no. Wasn't this kind of a fairly spiritual experience, so to say? <laughs> Weren't you? See, when we first come to Christ, the natural position is relationship, is fellowship with God. You couldn't get enough of him, right? Remember what, what David says in Psalm 51? He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because usually the second we experience his salvation, there is a fullness of joy. Right? That's this man right here. Okay? So this man, and we're going to define him, and then we're going to get to this third circle, and then what you're talking about, Josh, is going to make a whole lot of sense. This man right here has Christ on the throne because he said when he, trust, when he put his trust in Christ, you take over. You've got to take over and live this life for me. I want you to be in charge, not me. You're my Lord and my Savior. That very statement is putting him in charge of, of my life, right? So from the start, I'm putting him on the throne of my life. He's directing my life. Now, what are some of the characteristics? This guy had no relationship with God. What does this guy have? Relationship. This guy had no fellowship with God. What does this guy have? Fellowship with God. This guy had jealousy. What is this? What does the man with God have? In a minute, yeah. So we still have every one of those things. We do. That's this third circle, though. This is about to get really dramatically clear. According to Scripture, our whole life gets painted on this board. So fellowship, jealousy. Instead of jealousy, we have love, right? Instead of selfishness, we have selflessness. Instead of anger, what do we have? Joy. Peace, joy, compassion, humility, gentleness. Okay, instead of being lost and experiencing guilt and shame and confusion, what do I, what do I, I'm found, right? We've got a compass. Yeah, we've got a compass, not lost. For the guilt, mercy. Mercy instead of guilt. Not lost. Okay, instead of confusion, don't you have some clarity? Don't you have some direction, some purpose? I love that word, purpose. This guy doesn't have a whole lot of purpose. In fact, his whole life is cluttered because it's all driven by self, right? It's all self-driven. And that leads you down every which direction yourself happens to desire at that moment. But the man with Christ all of a sudden has very clear purpose, and that purpose is Christ himself and all, all that he's called me to. So everything that I'm doing goes back to him, right? My passions, my desires... My thinking. Remember Mark twelve thirty. Anybody know that one right off the bat? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's this guy, right? Everything is going back to Christ. That's his passion. That's his purpose. Okay. Instead of no trust over here, you have trust. Instead of unforgiveness, you have. <laughs> Forgiveness. Okay. Instead of lust, you have. No, 
not lust. <laughs> self-control, that's a good way to put it. You have self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Exactly. Instead of over here having the five C's, cash, cars, careers, condos, cuties, or the six computers, now you actually have the fruit of the Spirit. Stuff that actually really satisfies. Right? And it's, it's flowing out of my life. Like Jesus said also in John 7, remember that? That whoever believes in him, out of him will flow rivers of living water. This guy's not just lounging around. There's the fruit of the Spirit coming out of his life because he's in my life now. But now we have a big problem. Is that, is that always your life? No? Unfortunately. Isn't that a bummer? I wish we could all live there all the time. Or we will be able to. Josh, good to see you, man. We, we will get there in heaven. <laughs> but on this, on this planet, it's not going to happen. To, the, to a full extent. And we'll kind of describe that a little bit in a minute, and it'll make a lot of sense. But. It's a glimpse of what's to come. It is. Yeah. So, what does is, what is our life at other times really look like? Does it look at all like that first guy? Yeah. Okay, so here's the deal here's this big, gigantic self on the throne. Where's Christ in this life? When I sin, does Christ just disappear from my life? He's there. Okay, so he doesn't leave the life like in in the man without him. Right? Yeah. Look, here's Christ right here. Right? Now, and what kind of... Does this guy have a relationship with God? Yeah. God's his father. He's God's son. That's not changing. So, relationship, yes. Now, what about fellowship? That first guy without God has no fellowship with God. The second man has fellowship and relationship with God. This third man has relationship. God's his father. He's God's son. But how's his intimacy with God? It's subpar, shallow, maybe at times non-existent. Maybe at times this guy even doubts whether God's even in his life. He starts to wonder, is God even in my life? I don't know. So, does this this third person have confidence that that his prayers are going to be answered? Not always. Not always, right? Right? So I'm going to put fellowship is hindered. And this is actually not, again, there talks about this in 1 John. We're going to get there in a minute, so I don't want to give it away, but it talks about this fellowship issue with each other. And ultimately, that's a, a function of our fellowship with God. So how do you get from this middle circle of having trusted Christ, Christ is in control of your life, where you're exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, how do you get back to this, or over to this third circle where self is on the throne, Christ is not in the throne, and it looks a whole lot like this man without Christ? Gosh, you have jealousy, you have anger, you have you, you feel guilt, shame, confusion, you have lust and unforgiveness and hate and bitterness and envy and selfish ambition, all these fruits of the flesh. You can go look at Galatians 5. Where did I put the fruit of the Spirit? Ah, it's all mixed in here. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 19, I mean 519, talks about the the fruit of the flesh, or as Leah would describe them, the vegetables of the flesh. Alright? And it looks a whole lot like the man without Christ. Okay? We can all be there. Real quick. I could be there right now. Right? What does it take to get from here to here? Yeah, I think I think it's either sin 
which is the main one, but it also can sometimes just happen through distractions. I mean, I think sin occurs when we don't have our guard up most of the time, and we're just distracted by things. It could be schoolwork, it could be life in general. about that in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So there's actual willful sin and things that are people. But here's the deal. To get to this point of self being on the throne, it goes further than just distraction. If distraction alone gets us to this point, well then I was willfully distracted away from Christ. So either way you put it, I get here through sin. Does that make sense? I get here through sin. So sin takes me from Christ on the throne to self on the throne. Whatever decision it might be, whether quickly and almost without thought or premeditated. Either way, it's the same conclusion. I get to this point of self being on the throne. And sometimes I realize real quickly, I've got a really lame attitude right now. Right? I was just a jerk to that person. I just thought lustfully about that person. The second some of those things start to go through my head, I realize self is on the throne. Christ is not on the throne. Okay, so that's sin. Now, how do I get back to Christ being on the throne? And this person, again, I'm going to just make a note. A lot of Christians, when they get here, they start to doubt their salvation. I, I've been there. Have you guys ever been there? You start to think, am I really saved? Gosh, if God's in my life, I'm not going to act like that. Don't, isn't that true? Yeah. You start to wonder, is God really in my life? Would, would somebody with the Holy Spirit lust? Would somebody with the Holy Spirit hate? Would somebody with the Holy Spirit be angry? Unforgiving or bitter or selfish. We so a lot of a lot of times I meet people that genuinely have Christ in their life, but they don't even know it. They're confused because they're over in this self on the throne place. And usually if they're to the point of doubting their own salvation, they've been there for quite a while. And and they, they they're almost confused. They don't even know these three circles exist. They think they're going between these two. Right? You guys like that sound? Scared, huh? <laughs> Going back here, how can I get back here, guys? You can't. Why not? Because you already have a relationship with God. That bond's there. It's done. So going from circle number two with Christ on the throne to circle <laughs> number one, Christ no longer being in my life. Unless you ask him to leave your life, I think. Well, Maybe. is that in Scripture where it says if you ask him to leave, he's going to leave? Probably not, but I don't yeah. know. Here's something that's really phenomenal, guys. In John 10, he says he holds you in the palm of his hand, and no one can take you out. Are you someone? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good, Shelby. I'm glad you got that right. If you, if you said no, I, I'd say you guys should take some philosophy classes, because that's a good conversation there. Uh, so can you being someone take yourself out of his hand? I mean, am I? I mean, this is, do I believe Jesus? Is Jesus a liar? <laughs> right? No, he's not a liar. If he tells me something, can I take that to the bank? Yes. Right? Romans 8, 38 through 39. Nothing can separate me from his love. Nothing. Am I something? It says nothing in all creation. No created thing. I'm a created thing. I can't separate myself from his love. It says nothing in the past or in the future. Can something I would do in the future separate me from his love? No. 
See, I start to, if I can't earn my salvation by works, can I lose it by works? Does that make sense? So I'm secure in my relationship with God. But a lot of Christians that have self on the throne, they start to think they're in this cycle of going saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved. And it, that's draining. I've been there. It's not fun. Right? It's, it's pretty much miserable. And what's really happening is they're, they're coming from the circle of Christ on the throne to the circle of Christ not on the throne, but still in the life. Okay? So now how do I get back here? Confession? Yes. Is that Ashley? Did Ashley say that? Ashley, you're just too smart. Okay, confession and going to church three times, right? <laughs> no, we established a WWJD. Where the Lord Jesus do bracelets for a week? Or how about pray seven prayers? Read my... I have Christians think, man, I was really bad, so now I better, oh, I better read my Bible five times a day. And what you're doing is you're just trying to like rehab your flesh, which you've got to just die. Does that make sense? And so it really is this simple. I confess that sin. First John 1 9, you can read it. Does anybody know it? So you're not making Bible study, huh? No, I got class on Bible study. Guys, Bible study night. I'm buying everybody serious Texas. So if some of you guys can make us good. Sorry, Joseph. Oh yeah. Jacob says. Second time this week. We'll see you. Okay, so we only have ten minutes. What was that, Shelby? Oh, did you want to read it? Yeah, go ahead and read. It's first John chapter one, verse nine. The true light that gives life to every man. I think that's cha- that's John. So flip yeah, back. John? No, yeah, first John. John, oh, first John. Yeah, yeah. Go all the way to the back. And um, do you know the verse you're yeah. reading as well? John, it's John one. Well, I didn't know that. I wouldn't have been able to quote that. But John one, he's talking all about the light that came into the world. He came to bear witness to the light. So first John, first John chapter one verse nine. Okay. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our all unrighteousness. Okay, got it. So if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now here's the deal. As a Christian over here, when you sin, what's it talking about when it says forgiveness? When you sin, is it like, okay, now I'm going to hell. And then I confess, okay, now I'm not going to hell. Is that what it's talking about there? So that forgiveness isn't an issue of relationship, right? <laughs> your position with Christ, but it's a, a, but it's an issue of what? What was the other issue that we talked about? Fellowship, right? Now, take take this example from my marriage. If I go home, and I'm getting home from guys' Bible study, Aaron's getting ready for women's Bible study, and let's say I'm a complete jerk to my wife, okay? She's still my wife? Yeah. That sin didn't make her not my wife all of a sudden. Right, and then and then if I say, "Oh my gosh, I am so sorry, I was a jerk," is it like, "Okay, now she's my wife again"? No, that's it's not. Better, it's better your fellowship. Yeah, do you see that? And that's how it is with God. Well, I have a, I have a quick question though. When you're talking about confession, there are times where you might confess something because you know it's wrong, but you don't necessarily feel it. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. How do you, I mean, obviously there are points where you definitely feel it and you're like, okay, yeah, that was totally wrong. But there's other times where someone might point something out to you that you weren't even realizing. And how do you go about that? 
is that true confession by just verbalizing it? Is that enough? Even though you might not feel anything, like you want to feel it, but yeah. you don't, you know. Well, if you want to feel it, that in itself, I think, is feeling something. Mm-hmm. Like um, our conviction, like if we feel convicted about it and we feel regret about something, then that in a sense is saying, okay, God, I know, yeah. I know I did this wrong. You know, I don't necessarily feel everything that I feel like I should feel at this point. But, I mean, that in itself, I think, is kind of like repentance. That, just like the actual... Now here, 
And we're going to keep this way short. We can elaborate more. But this is scripturally what inhaling is. Ephesians 5.18. Somebody want to read Ephesians 5.18? Actually, for, for time's sake, I'll just say it. It says, don't be drunk with... <laughs> It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, here's the deal. You can't live God's life on your own. You can't do it. It's impossible. If you want to have the fruit of the Spirit, it has to be produced by the Spirit. That's why, going back to 1 Corinthians 2, it's talking about the spiritual man versus the man without the Spirit. Does that make sense? And then he's contrasting the spiritual man with a worldly Christian. Somebody that's not walking in the Spirit. Okay, does that make sense? So if I want to inhale, I need to be filled with the Spirit. Now, Ephesians 5.18 is a command to Christians. This is not a one-time event. And actually, in the Greek, it means continue to be filled with the Spirit. It's something that happens on a continual basis. When I trust Christ, He puts His Holy Spirit in me. You can look at John 7. You can look at Ephesians 1. There are several other places that make that real clear. Okay, Colossians 3. You can look at some different areas where it defines that for us. But here's, or I should say 1 Corinthians 3, not Colossians 3. But here's the deal. I have to choose to be filled with the Spirit continually. Okay, you can think of it like this. Imagine there's a Jeep. Whoa, we're getting so close to me over time. Okay, here's a Jeep. It's an awesome Jeep. <laughs> even though it looks really dorky. Okay, now it has a gas gauge that's on E. Okay, how far is this Jeep going to go? Nowhere. Okay, so there's no gas filling the tank, but inside there's an extra gas tank. Remember that? Gas. It's all sitting in the back, and it's full. So, how far is this car going to go right now? Nowhere. Is there gas in the car? Yeah. Is it filling the tank? No. This is how it is for each one of us. You trust Christ's Holy Spirit's in your life, but you can choose to do it on your own, right? We've all probably done that today. Or I can say really simply, fill me with your spirit, God. And what do you think he does when you say that? He gives you gas. He fills you. (laughs) This is is the same saint. Regardless of how I feel. C. Confess any known sin. 
Okay. Just take that time to say, you know what? Why don't I just cuss that guy out? That was sin. I'm sorry, God. Get that stuff. Exhale. Get it out. Right? Exhale and inhale. Okay. D, desire. You put, you guys writing these down? Desire. You don't have to, but it, it, it might help. You'll hear it again. <laughs> but desire to have him in control. Desire to have him living his life through you. Okay? And S is surrender. That's when I simply say, it's you on the throne, not me. I'm doing what you've called me to, not what I want to do. Now, here's what's really cool, guys. Those two circles, and I want to leave you with this. Those two circles go kind of like this. Here's circle number one. I didn't even draw this right. Okay, here is circle number one. It's a monster. Okay. Big, gigantic self on the throne. Okay? You guys ever feel like this is your life, and over here is little tiny Christ on the throne? Okay? And we feel like we're going, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, and we almost feel like, I'm spending more time with self on the throne than Christ on the throne. Have you ever felt that way? It's not fun, huh? Well, here's what I want to encourage you with. Hopefully, over time, and this is going to happen because the Holy Spirit's in your life, and He is changing you to be more and more like Jesus Himself. 1 Corinthians, why am I forgetting this stuff? Okay, I'm forgetting it right now. Um, Okay. He is changing us to be more and more and more like him. This always happens at the beginning of semesters. You haven't been speaking and teaching. Remember I told you this? All these verses all of a sudden get cloudy in your head. So, it's funny. Okay, now all of a sudden, here is little self on the throne. Here's Christ not on the throne. And boom. The bigger circle becomes the one with Christ on the throne. And self on the throne. Does that make sense? And here's here's the equation. This comes from Changes That Heal, a great book by Dr. Henry Cloud and Townsend. They put it like this: It's grace plus truth, God's word, living in His grace over time. You guys, as you simply live the Christian life, the Holy Spirit's in you. He's transforming you. And you're going to go from self being on the throne most of the time to Christ being on the throne a lot more of the time the longer you walk with that. So be patient with yourselves. First, Peter 3.9 talks about how God is patient with us. Okay, so be patient, too, as you walk through this process. Is that good stuff? Does that kind of like really help you see how the Christian walk happens in these different stages? And it all comes right from Scripture. And we wanted to start because everything that we talk about this semester is going to go right back to Christ being on the throne. Because that's the only way that we can be the influence that he wants us to be for the world. So let's pray and get out of here. We have some serious Texas to go eat. Be good. Okay, anybody want to pray? Sweet. Amen.